I work in one of the twin habitats located off the parallel edges of an underwater gorge. We're just off the east coast of Canada. I know exactly how far, but I don't think I'm allowed to tell anyone that. Anyway, we're down here for all sorts of reasons. General research is all I can really give away though. It's some pretty ingenious placement too. We can focus on the nicely lit seabed outside the gorge. And the tests with it too. Two birds is stoned at once, as they say. So, we stay in here for a week at a time. It's a habitat, you can live mm, semi-comfortably in here. It can feel claustrophobic, sharing it with three other people is all. By the week's end, most of the time, I'm thinking about swimming to the surface. That wouldn't go very well though, I don't think I could make it 80 feet up on one breath. Day one of our most recent leg went well. I had the task of piloting our drone on seabed. Amy had just got done repairing it. The other team of scientists had just finished their research, this tent left in a pretty rough shape, and failed to mention it to anyone. So it was already near the end of the day before I got it out for a spin. How's it feel? Amy asked over my shoulder, looking at the feed that was streaming back to us. Good, I said simply. It didn't feel as good as it used to though. The controls felt rigid. Like when I wanted to veer left or right, I had to oversteer every time. It didn't matter though. This thing wasn't designed to a dead start trench run anyway. It would do. Good. I don't know how they messed it up that bad. It looked like they just backed it into the side of the gorge over and over. She sounded annoyed from behind me, but I had to focus on getting the drone back into the dock without breaking it all over again. Wouldn't put it past, Todd. I offered an agreement. Amy stayed perched on my shoulder for a moment before we heard Dave calling for her from another room. She went to see what Dave needed while I brought the drone back to base. I figured since it was fixed now, there wasn't a good reason to bring it back in, so I left the dock outside. I joined Amy and Dave in front of Dave's screen now, both transfixed on it, both with headphones on, Amy took hers off and Dave slipped one of his ears out to hear her. Nope, never heard a bell like that, she said, struggling. Me neither, it's really weird, it's down in the gorge somewhere, Dave said, slipping his ear back into the headphones. He leaned in close to his screen as the playback looped over the wavelength. Amy looked at me. You wanna hear? She asked me, holding out the headphones towards me. I shook my head and scolded. You two are the animal guys. If you don't know what it is, no way I would. I struggled now too. It's interesting though, if you guys don't know. It's fucking weird, is what it is. Dave mumbled incredulously as he rested his cheek on the heel of his hand. We didn't get much time to theorize about the sound though. We all caught something out of the corner of our eye out of the main window of the habitat. Or rather, the lack of something. Like I said, we have a sister habitat on the other side of the gorge. We can usually see it, since the gorge is only about 500 feet wide. But it was late now, and the ocean gets really dark when the sun's not out. Luckily, each habitat is equipped with 10 flute lights. They can extend out into the water on metal arms 
that you can bend and control from inside the habitat. Really handy in a lot of stuff that we can do. No matter how dark it gets down here, we can always see the lights of the other hab. Until we couldn't. They all just went out. That's not supposed to happen. We all just kind of looked into the void of the nighttime ocean for a few seconds, expecting the lights to come back on. They didn't. Amy was the first one to speak up. What are they doing over there? Dave and I stayed silent. Sure, the light's going to come back on any second. They didn't. Do they need help? She asked. Worry more prevalent in her voice this time. They would have called on the VLF if anything went wrong, I responded. They have a better life too, so if their power failed, they'd still be able to talk to us. I told her, it wasn't anything she didn't already know. I glanced over towards the VLF radio, hoping it would go off. Even if their VLF was fucked, they all know the emergency pattern to flash us with the fruit lights. Dave interjected, more silence staring into the void in front of us. Does the emergency pattern start with over a minute of no lights at all? I asked, trying to add some levity. It didn't work. It doesn't, Dev said. Dead panned, still staring ahead. I struggled. We were probably all overreacting. These things were a state of the art. Bleeding edge technology. We had the stuff on there that I'm pretty sure none of us were smart enough to know how it works. I sauntered over to the radio, just beyond the small doorframe into the next room, sure that there would be a reasonable explanation on the other end. Hey guys, have one over here, just wondering why you turned off your lights, everything okay? I spoke into the radio, making sure to be loud enough so Dave and Amy could hear me. I waited a moment for an answering. Nothing. Another moment, Dave and Amy joined me in the side room. It's still nothing. Have two, do you read? I asked. Voice still calm. But I think my body language was giving it away that I was concerned. You're on right channel? Amy asked. These things only have two channels, one for the other half and one for the HQ. Either one should have gotten back to us right away. Dave frowned at her. I looked down on the radio, I was on the right channel. Hab 2, do you have a read? I asked again, this time louder. I put the mouthpiece down. What's the protocol here? I asked. Janet was in charge, but she had been asleep for the last few hours. She wasn't feeling well apparently. Dave went to wake her, without another word. It took a minute or two to explain it to her. But she realized the severity of the situation right away. We could be in a critical moment of saving lives here, people. Radio HQ and get them to get a boat and rescue them out of here immediately, Jane demanded. She had a military background. She wasn't much if she wasn't a woman of action. I switched over to the other channel. No, Mike. You come with me. Amy, call base. She instructed as she entered back into the hub room of the HAP. We walked quickly towards the drone console. Good idea, I agreed without her having to explain it to me. I took my seat at the controls of the drone and flicked them on. I'd swim over there myself if it wasn't past dark, or even if the lights were still on over there. 
I could hear her scolding at the safety protocols through her teeth, even though I was focused on getting the drone fired up. Not an option, Cap. You know how easy it is to get disoriented in the dark water. Aside, as I undocked the drone, I turned it to face the gorge and started the trip forward. The drone had floodlights of its own, not as powerful as the ones of the HAB though. Still, I'd be able to see a few feet in front of me at least. Not that there would be anything to see while I was out over the gorge. Like I mentioned earlier, this thing is in the covert, so it was going to take a few minutes to get it all over to HAB too. I didn't get far into our trip before Amy and Dave came back into the hub room. Hey Captain, so it turns out, I think it's our end of the VLF that's on the fritz. We can't get through the HQ either, Amy explained. The pit in my stomach seemed to get lighter. It was a good sign after all. At least they didn't turn the lights off and did not answer. I'm already taking a look at it. I just wanted you to know. Amy finished before returning to the radio room. Janet didn't say anything, and Dave sat down at our Habs light controls in the hub area with us. On the drone's screen, I could see Dave extending the Habs floodlights arms out above the gorge as far as they could go, doing his best to help the drone along the way. Thanks man. I offered from across the room, no response from Dave. This thing was painfully slow, when we were just doing research with it, piloting it when it seemed like there was some unknown timer ticking down made it seem all the slower. All I could do was hold forward. Another minute or so and I was out past the helpful illumination from our Habs lights. And I was on my own. Well, the drone was at least. I got about halfway to the other Hab before I noticed the nose of the drone wanted to naturally start dripping down pretty significantly. Maybe Amy would have to take another look at it. The rest of the trip was pretty easy going once I got used to that. But the pit in my stomach got heavier and heavier the closer I got. Even if we couldn't see the floodlights, eventually their normal indoor hab lights should have been visible. Even if they all turned in early for the night, there are some lights in the hab we literally can't turn off. We had to be getting close at this point. Definitely close enough to see their indoor lights, but nothing followed by more nothing. Do I look like I'm, I'm in line with HAP 2, Dave? I looked over my shoulder to Dave staring out the main window. The floodlights on the drone was less powerful, but you could see a smaller, dim light in the distance across the gorge. Yeah, looks dead on to me. Dave called back over his own shoulder. Shit. Jane stayed quiet, but I could feel her intensity behind me. Like a kettle about to whistle, I held forward on the drone for another few moments, and I was finally met with the hull of the other hab. I let out a giant sigh. I had started holding my breath at some points, I guess. I had gone a little, of course, so I would have to do a little maneuvering to get to the other hab's main window. Janet's silence intensity was now only amplified as Dave joined her in watching the drone's stream. It was as I feared. I found the main window and saw that the inside of the hab was pitch black. The only thing that illuminated it was the floodlights from the drone. The drone could light most of the hub area while it was just floating there. Everything looked to be in order. It was just dark. 
total power failure. It's the only thing it could be. The captain spoke up. They've got a functioning VLF and plenty of air until a team can come pick them up. Janet nodded to herself. This is good news, she sighed. I couldn't bring myself to join her relaxation. But where are they? I asked her as I turned the drone to shine on one of the back corners towards their VLF room. She stuttered, looking for an answer. Wouldn't they want to be seen by the drone so they could show us they're alright? I finished my thought as I wheeled the drone over to look at the other corner of the hub room. What the fuck is going on here? They've cracked as he turned back to look out the main window. Maybe they all went out in their suits to see if they could fix something on the outside? He asked. Janet shook her head. Bill is the only one over there that could have a chance at fixing something like this. There's no reason for all of them to go out. Her voice was weaker than I had ever heard it before. Drive the fucking drone around the back of the hab. She snapped as she looked back at me. I spun my chair back around and did as she said. Dave took a seat over at his sonar console and watched from afar. Nothing. Everything seemed ordinary. No breaches, no dead bodies floating in the water. I was at a loss. Janet finally left her perch on my shoulder, storming over to other room. And we better have that VLF working, she muttered as she went. Dave and I sat in silence. I leaned back in my chair and spun around to face him again. I don't know what's going on. I stammered halfway through my sentence, seeing that Dave was once again turned around at his sonar console, headphones on. He slipped an ear out again. Hey Mike, remember that well Amy and I couldn't figure out? He stared at the new waveforms on his dashboard. It just got a lot louder and... He continued. I stood up out of my chair. I think it just said something. 